Hi, and welcome to the Seeing Deep podcast, where we see deep in a shallow world by exploring our surrounding culture through a biblical lens. We've been talking about real gratitude this month, not the fake gratitude that vanishes when life becomes challenging. No, the real deep down abiding place where we know we have it better than we deserve. Even in those hard places, we see and recognize God's goodness. Back with me this week to talk about how God's goodness impacts our gratitude is Morgan Sugg, the author of Forever in My Goodness. As well as being a wife, mother, writer, and speaker, Morgan earned her bachelor's degree in communications, public relations, and has a master's in organization leadership. She and her husband, Brad, are the associate pastors at Friendship Church in Frisco, Texas. She is the founder of FlourishGathering.co and the Passover Project. You can learn more about those at www.flourishgathering.co and www.thepassoverproject.org. Welcome back to the show, Morgan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be back with you. I am too. I'm just like, oh, I love talking about God's goodness. Yes. So the scripture for this episode is taken from Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. This verse involves our senses. The psalmist is inviting us to experience God's goodness. He doesn't want us to just hear about it. He wants us to understand and know it, know his goodness. Tasting God's goodness is like a satisfying meal. His goodness is enough for every problem we face. So Morgan, I'm so excited to continue unpacking what God's goodness is in this week's episode. I think people can doubt God's goodness, as we mentioned last time, because of pain, you know, the presence of pain, but they can also doubt God's goodness because of the accusations against God in our culture. Yeah. I think this brings us to our next point, which I was alluding to last week. One of my favorite points, my goodness brings repentance. God is so kind to reveal our sins to us. And part of that is confessing where we doubted God's goodness too. Yeah. Yeah, you're so right. I think there's two parts to this. You know, I mentioned in the the um, episode before that I grew up a believer, and even in my trauma, I was still a believer. Um, but eventually, I had in my journey to healing and freedom, I had to repent of the lies I believed about who God was. So sometimes repentance um, isn't this grandiose sin that we have to repent of. Sometimes it's just an idea or a concept or a mindset that we were stuck in that was wrong and that we need to release and ask for forgiveness um, because it was wrong for me to doubt God's goodness and who he was because I believed he wasn't who he was. And so I I sought repentance for that and chose to not walk in that mindset or in that lie about who God was anymore. And so there, there's that act of repentance. And then there's the other act of repentance when we are doing very sinful um, we have, you know, we do sin, we have, we're sinful nature. We make, we make mistakes or, or we commit these sins and that we have to seek repentance. And what is so incredible about God is that his goodness is there gently nudging us and drawing us to, to him so that we can receive this forgiveness when we, um, seek repentance. And, and, you know, I give several examples in this, Um, in this particular chapter, but one of my favorites, and I talk about Rahab a great deal, um, any chance I get, but, you know, Rahab was living a lifestyle that wasn't, um, 
what God had intended for her. Nobody, God didn't create anybody to live the lifestyle that she was living. And she was clearly wanting to get out of that because she was willing to risk everything to hide the spies that came into Jericho. And, um, and it was their kindness and their goodness. These men that she was used to having men come in our house for all kinds of reasons, but these men came in and goodness and God's goodness and offered her the chance of a lifetime. And that's what God does. Like even in our sin, he sends somebody kind, some kind words, some sort of some message that really draws our hearts into who he is and that and offers us a life of freedom. And that's the beautiful part of God's goodness is that it does it so gently brings us into repentance so that we can walk in who he's called us to be. So good. I know Romans 2, 4 talks about his kindness leads us to repentance. And I think even so often in the body of Christ, we aren't kind to one another. We need to help one another. You know, uh, rebuke is meant to be redemptive, restoring. Mm -hmm. And so I think if we would practice some of that ourselves as believers, that um, thinking about God's goodness and how kind he is to lead us to repentance, that our goal is to help people come to that, that place of sweet repentance, so freeing, yeah. where we don't have to be bound and, and bondage to sin anymore. Your your next point is my goodness is an experience. Now this sounds fun. Can you share on that? <laughs> yeah. So um, my goodness is an experience. You you, um, you talked about at the beginning of this episode that the psalm the psalmist invites us to experience goodness. He just wants us to hear about it, but tasting it and and it's there's a scripture taste and see that the lord is good and i don't know about you but i sure love food and i love to sit with people and with people at a table and break bread with them and enjoy the experience that food has to offer and when we taste and we see that god is good when we enter into that um concept we experience god in a new in a new way and um you know God gave the Israelites manna from heaven because they were hangry and grumpy and uh, <laughs> which I experience a lot, <laughs> but <laughs> they were hangry and they were like, we want to go back to I- Egypt because they didn't like where they were. And God was like, let me show you a bit of my goodness. And not only visually did they see manna like come before them, but they were able to taste and experience his goodness by seeing it and in, in, in partaking of it. Um, and that's a really unique experience to have is when we can do something that really causes us to experience his goodness. And, um, you know, Job 40, I talk about Job in this chapter and Job 45, two says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And in Job's, and then you're, you're you're getting close to the end of Job whenever you get to this particular scripture. And Job had gone through this whole thing, all this experience, and he had pressed so hard in his grief into trying to figure out what was going on and really had these really deep conversations with God. But he says this, my ears had heard of you, but now I have seen you. He experienced God and that taste and see. He saw God like he had never seen him before because he pressed in and we can see God. We can experience God in our darkest moments. You know, God's a God of past, present, and future. He, I, I was, I am, I am to come. And so even in our past, when we might not have seen God in his goodness, we can still 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, experience him in our, in, in our past. And so for me, what that looked like was my traumatic experience. I had to open that, that day back up to him and say, God, where were you? Show me who you were, where you were that day. And he brought that day back to, to mind and he showed me who I was. And I write about that at the beginning and the end of the book, but that's how you can experience him in your past. And you can experience him now, Like, but we have to press in and not let darkness overshadow our pressing in. And um, we, see, we really see that Job did that. Even in his darkness, he pressed in to try to experience who God was and his goodness, even in the darkest moment of his life. Mm, I, I think that is something that is difficult for people is the past. Yeah. Um, how, how can you, you can't really move forward too well if you don't deal with it though. And I, I think, you know, conflict avoiders, you know, I've been that myself, yeah. uh, uh, you know, you, no one likes pain. Right. And, but you have to go through the pain to get through the pain. You just really do. I've seen that in my own life. And so being able to experience God in those places and his goodness, even at a past that just seems like there's nothing good in it. We don't realize how God can still use it to shape us. You know, yeah. I think of Joseph, Joseph in the prison and how God, use that to shape him. And, you know, we're thinking, what kind of way is this to prepare your people person you've called, you know, but we don't know, like God knows, uh, we don't understand goodness, because our, our goodness is usually skewed towards self, right? And our, our perception of what goodness is. Mm-hmm. Your next point, my goodness is a seed just makes me think of hope. Yeah, we don't recognize how good he is until that seed is germinated and becomes something so much more amazing than we could ever think or imagine. Mm-hmm. How does this play out in your life? Yeah. Um, you know, my goodness is a seed is really built around this idea that we were created in, you know, in his image, every, every person believe it or not was initially created in God's image. So ultimately at the root of things, we're created to bear his goodness. And, you know, I talk about even someone who's not a believer can act in the, you know, sort of an image of God because they were created to bear goodness, but you kind of go back to what we were talking about, you know, off, you know, being kind enough to lead someone to repentance. God, can, when we offer the fruit of the spirit, one of the fruit of the spirit is goodness. And, and when we have that seed planted in us and we allow it to grow and develop, we bear the fruit of goodness. And then we can offer that goodness to the world that's hurting and broken around us. And that's part of us demonstrating um, to a world that's like, God's not, why would a good God, there's not a God, why would a good God let something like this happen? That can't be real. But we get to offer and bear that fruit of goodness that he has planted in us to a broken world and show them what real goodness looks like through our relationship with Christ. And I think it's important that we recognize that we have the opportunity to bear, um, because we are his image bearers, that we have the opportunity to bear the fruit of goodness and give that to people around them in their, in their pain and in their hurt and in their sin, um, really offer that goodness so that they can be drawn to the ultimate, the absolute goodness, um, God himself. And, um, And so I think that, you know, that's really key for us is to realize that we are bearers of God's goodness and we have the opportunity to show others around us that goodness that God is, um, that wants to offer and reveal to them as well. Wow. You know, when we think about how we are exemplifying the goodness of God in our lives and how that can impact someone else. 
Yeah. Seeing God's goodness. That is huge. I, I know one thing I've thought of many times as I've led worship or written books or traveled to speak somewhere is when someone is provoked to praising God because of something God led me to say, I am blown away. You know, and that's really what we are. We're signposts to mm. God. Yeah. We're showing the world, look at how good he is. Yeah. But there's creative ways to do that because I think if we just stand on a corner and say God is good, people yeah. are like, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but when we are willing, you know, even in my book, Shame Off You, willing to share some of the greatest pain in our life mm -hmm. because of how good God was in that pain, people can hold on to that and realize, okay, he did it for her. Yeah. He can do it for me. Um, and that brings me to our next point. My goodness is working. It's such a reminder that God's goodness is always at work. This right. reminds you of the scripture in Romans 8, 28, which I mentioned, I think on last week's episode. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All, not just some for those who are called according to his purpose, you know, so it's not according to my definition of goodness. It's according to his purpose and his purposes are always higher and better. So we hear this verse, but when we really ponder it, God's sovereignty over all of our situations just blows my mind and his mercy and goodness throughout every circumstance is amazing. Mm -hmm. It is. And you know, I hit this idea that God's goodness is working is if we can um, imagine it around us moving like a current, I write about this, like it's like a current, a stream of water flowing, flowing through our life and that it continues and it never stops. He's doing good. God is good and he's doing good and he's working things out. Um, you, know, I think that if we can visualize this happening, it helps a little bit when we're facing a really um, tough, situation. And I kind of mentioned this in the last episode, but God's goodness doesn't have to rush in and be like, Oh gosh, everything's falling apart. Let me go fix this. It's already streaming mm. through our lives, like peace. Like if you just imagine a peaceful river, we've been to Israel and we've watched where the, the, um, the headwaters you know, for rivers start to spring up. And it's just a beautiful thing to imagine God's goodness, like a stream of water flowing through our lives, working like a current, um, never, um, it doesn't stop. It just keep, it keeps working. And he's, he's good to help us see this. And you see this in Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, where God's goodness, like it was still working, even in the darkest moment of the, I call them the three friends in my book, you see God show up, Jesus showed up in the fire with him. So sometimes in the darkest, most painful or um, toughest situations of life, God's goodness is still there. And it doesn't mean we're not going to walk through the fire, but it means that his goodness is still working there. And when you come out on the other side, they didn't even smell like smoke. They had not been singed. Nothing on them was harmed. And that some, we go through these tough things and God is good to lead us through them. And it doesn't, his goodness never stops working. And, um, you can see it in the mundane things of life. I, I, this is one thing I'm passionate about is seeing God's goodness in the mundane as a mother of three boys it's easy in the cleaning up messes and doing laundry and these things to get to miss God's goodness in the mundane. Um, but mm -hmm. in failure and in success in the mundane, it's important that we know that his goodness is still moving it is still working and it is still pushing us and developing us into who he's called us to be so we can live out the calling that he's called us to. Mm. 
you know, what is hitting my heart right now is understanding God's goodness is the antidote to worry. Mm-hmm. If we really understand that he is good and that he is with us, we can stop trying to worry and control what has never been in our control anyway. Right. You know, I, I think it's been this sense of, oh, I just don't want to go through this or that. And I remember when I was a new believer, um, just a few years in the Lord, um, and I was saved in 88. And so this is a while back. <laughs> and I remember saying, God, please just don't ever let me go through. And I had this list. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one of them on the list was, I don't ever want to go through miscarriage. I don't want my kids to ever have allergies. I mean, these are like <laughs> interesting lists. And well, then when I walked through the miscarriage, I remember this puzzled, well, I don't understand. We, I, I made a deal with you, you know, right. God, you know, yeah. and I'm down there on my knees and he met me in such a sweet way. Yeah. You know, I, I was reading in Psalms uh, 119 verses 67 through 72 and weeping and crying out. And I remember never feeling more loved in my life mm-hmm. than in that moment. And I realized I wasn't going to box God in and define what goodness was because I, no way could a fallen person define goodness. Right. Only God could define goodness. Yeah. And so your final point is my goodness is a conversation. Can you tell me about this point? Yeah, I, um, I love this, this chapter so much because, um, you know, it's essentially talking about, about conversations and essentially about prayer. Um, but I think oftentimes we, we, we pray and we give this list of things, but prayer is this conversation between, you know, kind of like you and I are having this give and take this back and forth. And it's not just a one-sided thing. And, um, but prior to that, we have to give up counterfeit conversations, made up conversations that we have in our, we have in our head. And um, we, especially as women, um, we have counterfeit conversations. We, oh, the next time I see this person, I'm going to handle this conversation this way. And you replay this conversation in your head, or you think, oh, I should have said this. And you replay an old conversation, um, what you should have said and what you wish they would have said. And you're having these counterfeit conversations in our head that aren't healthy, that, um, you know, affect our mindset. Um, and, and, Mm. and we have to give up these counter counterfeit conversations. And then there's conversations with the enemy that we have. We, we oftentimes engage in conversations with him, which we have to learn to stop. And we see this happen in the garden where God, I mean, where, um, the enemy twists what God says and Eve engages in this. And we must be on guard that the enemy is going to try to twist the character of God. And we have to be resist. We don't try not to engage in that. And, and God's good to meet us in dark moments. He meets Hagar and has a conversation with her in the wilderness and in her lonely place and in her grief and in her sadness. And he, um, he's good to have conversations with us. If we allow it, we, we have to let go of counterfeit conversations. We have to let go of conversations with enemy and learn to press in and engage with the true conversation with him. And it's hard to decipher. I think sometimes between, or we struggle with the deciphering between God's voice, the enemy's voice, ours, or other people's voice. But we know that if it lines up with the scripture and I always say, I wouldn't have thought that up myself. So I know it must've been God because it lines up with the scripture and the enemy's never going to tell you anything great or good. Right. And so that's how you can kind of decipher which voice you're hearing and engage in the conversation 
that um, God wants to have with you because his goodness is a conversation. He wants to guide you. He wants to show you who he is so he, you can experience him. He, in this conversation, he can lead you to repentance. Um, but it's important we engage in this conversation. In 2 Samuel 5, David has this conversation with God and he says, should I go up? And God's like, yes, go up. And then later David says, should I go up? And God's like, no, this time I need you to go around. And it's details like that, that God shows us when we engage in the conversation in this, in, um, he's good to reveal to us the things that we should do, the things that we should say, how we should act the next decision to help us find the healing the, um, and the peace with our past that we need. And so if we don't engage in this good conversation, it'll be very difficult to move forward and in your journey of freedom, in your journey of healing, because in that good, good conversation is where you really, really dig into who God is. Amen. You know, my takeaway from what you just shared is we need to limit negative thoughts and those negative conversations, but not limit God's goodness. Mm-hmm. We need to put on replay in our mind, God's word and conversations in scripture that redeem our pain mm-hmm. and don't limit God's goodness. Morgan, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience? I think, you know, I, I, if I get an opportunity to say this to, to people, I will always say it. I, I say you were created on purpose for a purpose to impact the kingdom. And there's nothing um, the enemy would like to, to do more than to try to derail that, that purpose. Um, and he does that through this, through schemes and lies. And one of those ways is distorting the goodness, trying to attempt to distort the goodness of God and how we see God. And so I would encourage you to press in to, to don't, don't pull away, but press into who God is, engage in that good conversation and allow the Holy spirit to reveal to you who he really is, his goodness. And in your past and your present and your future and, and allow your eyes to be open to experience his goodness in every, every moment so that you can fulfill the purpose that God has destined for you. Mm, Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us and igniting real gratitude in our hearts as we freshly consider God's goodness. How can people find you again? You can find me on Facebook at uh, Morgan Sugg Rider or on Instagram at Morgan Sugg. You can go to my website, morgansugg.com, or you can go to the Flourish podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Amen. Friends, whatever you're going through right now, I want you to imagine God's goodness being in that situation and his presence. God is for you. He is with you and he is in you and he's already there. When you are in a hard place, lift your eyes off of the pain and place your hope in God and in his goodness again. We'd love to hear how God's goodness has impacted you. Leave a comment to be entered to receive a free copy of Morgan's book. Until next time, you've been listening to the Sing Deep podcast, where we dive into the word of God for the answers to life's problems.